Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing today? Is anybody too cold? Good. <laughs> Isn't that nice? You can come to church and know it's going to be cool in here. Ain't that? Can I get an amen on that? How about it? All right, there we go. Um, we are, I'm starting kind of just a three-week uh, series called The Warrior Mindset. And <clears throat> it's not be ready to fight all the time, which some people think. But I want us to look at some people in Scripture that maybe you wouldn't necessarily think of as a warrior. And then I want to see a circumstance, we're going to see a circumstance in Scripture where they were kind of pushed into that role and then what maybe we can learn from that in our lives, spiritually. And um, today we're going to look at Abraham. And that's not a guy you typically think of as being a warrior. That's the guy you think of as being Father Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. Y'all remember that, right? Some of you? How many of y'all knew that song? Anybody? All right. So y'all, hey, we sang that when I was a kid. You know, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. One of the most brilliant lines in song, songwriting ever. But hey, we remember it. So that's, that was the point. But I don't think of him as a warrior. You know, you, you've, anytime there's pictures, you know, when they thumb up on the flannel, flannel graphs when we were kids or you see an animated thing, he's always like an old dude with gray hair and he looks like a grand, he really looks more like grandfather Abraham. I mean, there's grandfather Abraham. I just want to go sit in his lap. I mean, he, he looks like that kind of guy. But let me tell you something, when, when the chips were down and when he had to be, Abraham was a bad dude. And we're going to look at that. Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 14, and I'm going to kind of set the stage for you. Um, they've come, God told Abraham to leave his, his home, his family, everything that he knew, and to travel to this new land. He didn't even tell him where it was going to be. He just told him, follow me. And so Abraham packed everything up with his family. His nephew Lot came with him, and they took off. And when they got to this land, God said, this is the land that I'm going to give to all of your descendants. Now, he told him, now, you're not going to possess it. Now, you're not going to own it all now, but your descendants are going to own all this, and they're going to fill all this land up. And so Abraham looks around, and he's got his nephew with him, and they have you know, quite a bit of stock, and they're, you know, the, the, the people that are tending Abraham's stock are kind of starting to quarrel a little bit with the people that are tending um, Lot's stock. And so Abraham says, you know, we should just divide up and, and keep them a little farther away, and so we can all graze and everybody be happy. And he says, hey, Lot, I'm going to let you choose. So Lot chose the fertile valley, you know, where Sodom and Gomorrah and, and the, um, some of these city-states were. It's more of an urban area, but it was a beautiful valley. And so Abraham got the, the lesser land, but really the better deal. And so he's over here in, this, in his area, Lot's down in Sodom, and um, the kings that are surrounding this kind of valley, there's four of them, five of them, excuse me, and uh, no, there's four, four on the outside, and then the five kings that are down in the valley, they kind of get into the little squabble. And so they start this war. And when they start the war, they get into this battle and the, the, the soldiers in Sodom, from the king of Sodom, they turn tail and run. And it's even their land and there's tar pits in this land. They've known that, they lived there their whole lives and half of them ran into the tar pits and the other half of them ran up in the mountains. I mean, they ran like scalded dogs. You understand what I'm saying? They turned and ran. And as a result, the kings that were 
from the outside that were having a war with the kings on the inside of this valley went down and just took whatever they wanted, which was everything. Okay, they took it all. And all this time, Abraham is outside and he's minding his own business. And that's one of the first things that I want you to know about a warrior mindset is one of the, 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 the most important parts you can have of that. And this is something, I'm just gonna ask you, do we live in a world culturally and every other way where there's more and more strife, arguing, battles going on all the time? We do, don't we? So it would help us to have a, the right mindset. And part of the mindset is Abraham knew when not to get involved. You see, one of the things that one of the kings called him later was basically, you're, you're an alien in this land, you're a stranger here, or a sojourner. And that's what we are here. Hey, I love my country, I'm not saying I, I'm as patriotic as the next guy, but you need to understand something. Our citizenship as believers is in heaven, it's with God. That's where our first loyalty lies. And the first Christians, you know, they would go around and, and uh, people would say, uh, a common Roman greeting would be, Caesar is Lord. And a Christian had a decision right then. No, Jesus is Lord. You know, you, you had, there was conflict, there's always been conflicts between where our citizenship is and the place that we live. And so there's a lot of conflict. But the first thing we need to see is, Abram knew when he wasn't supposed to get involved in a battle. Sometimes we get caught up in getting in fights that we don't need to be in. Sometimes we get caught up in battles or in wars that are not that important. They may seem like it at the time. There's all kinds of things you could fight for and all kinds of things you could fight about. And having a warrior's mindset is choosing not to fight until that time comes when there's something worth fighting for. And unfortunately, we get caught up too many times fighting for things that are not worth fighting for. Anybody who's been married a period, how many of y'all been married at least 10 years or longer? Raise your hand. Every, every one of them people right there got a story that they could tell you about some, I mean, knock down, drag out, fight almost to the death when they were first married or whatever, that was over nothing. Can I, can I get a witness? As a matter of fact, you go through some of those fights and you get to the end and you can't even remember what you started fighting about. But what happens is you go through it and you don't even, you're like, this is dumb, we should stop. And then it's like, you stop. <laughs> and you just keep going. And sometimes we get that way in life too, don't we? We get caught up in something and then we just keep going because it's hard to stop fighting once you've started. Unless somebody surrenders and gives the other one total and complete and absolute victory that you can dance around. I have one, I have one. And by the way, for those of y'all who've been married less time than that, you don't ever have those. Those never happen. Ever. Where it's total victory. Am I right? All right. Because here's the deal. Even when you win, you lose. All right? So that's part of the deal is knowing when to join the battle and when not to. But in the midst of this war that's going around that Abraham said, hey, it's not my business, not my thing. And they got all these kings. Some of these kings, one of them we're gonna hear about. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you my special interpretation of their names. It was King Kurtulermer, <laughs> King Tidal, King I am Raphael, and King Ariot. All right, but anyhow, that's close, sort of. So what we're gonna do is what I really want us to focus on, here we're gonna see where 
Man, Abraham goes full-on Special Forces Navy SEAL on the whole deal. All right, y'all ready? It's Genesis chapter 14, verses 14 through 16. And if you'd please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. When Abram heard that his nephew Lot had been captured, he mobilized the 318 trained men who'd been born into his household. Then he pursued Kerdanermer's army until he caught up with them at Dan. Then he divided his men and attacked during the night. Kerdanermer's army fled, but Abram chased them as far as Hobot, north of Damascus. Abram recovered all the goods that had been taken, and he brought back his nephew Lot with his possessions and all the women and other captives. Thank you. You may be seated. I want you all to get a glimpse here of what Abraham did. When he hears his, his nephew's been caught up and captured, he immediately gathers his men around him, and they take off. And then he gets there at night, and they split their forces. They attack at night. The enemy starts running. And here's what you need to understand. The distance between that place where he chased them, he chased them for 100 miles. Now, that's some bad dudes right there. Okay? That don't look like grandfather Abraham. I mean, he was after him. And here's something that, that I loved about this dude is that there was no hesitation when the cause was just and he needed to fight. When the time was right and his family was caught up in it, he fought for him. And you know what? Sometimes, and men, we're guilty of this is we'll sit back and do nothing when we ought to be fighting for our family. And sometimes we don't want to do that because it feels like we're fighting with our family sometimes. But we got to be willing to fight for what matters and what's important. You know what? Parents, fathers, moms, you're not, you're not going to get the reward for raising your kids while they're in your home. Are there things that are rewarding? Sure. You know, you give them a, a surprise birthday party and they're surprised and they have fun with their friends. That's fun. But the reward for raising your child comes when they turn into a man or woman of God that you can be proud of and that brings honor to your name and most of all, brings glory to the name of Jesus. And guess what? You want to raise that kind of young man, young woman? It's going to take sacrifices and struggles while they're in your home. Fight for what you want them to be, not for how they're going to react or what the short-term gains or losses are going to be. Fight for what you want them to be 10, 20, and 30 years down the road. And we have too many parents that are just fighting for the now. They want the moment of the now and aren't worried about what's coming. And so they don't fight when they should, and they fight over things that, are, that don't matter now. Fight over things that matter. And let me tell you something. They're not always going to recognize what matters and what doesn't. And they won't. But someday, if you do it right, they're going to come back to you and say, you know what, I didn't understand this at the time, but I get it now. That's what you're fighting for. When it comes to your marriage, fight for it. Don't just let it go, well, you know, I'm, too many just give up. Learn how to fight. 
Fight for something that matters. Your family is worth fighting for. Your marriage is worth fighting for. There are other things as a believer that you're going to come across that are worth fighting for. Identify what those are and never, ever back down. He was in a position to fight was the second part of a warrior mindset. You know, it would have been easy for him to have been caught up in other things. You know, you want to know why the armies of the king of Sodom ran when trouble came, when there was a battle? In Ezekiel chapter 16, it tells us, Sodom's sins were pride, gluttony, and laziness, while the poor and needy suffered outside her door. She was proud and committed detestable sins, so I wiped her out as you've seen. Now, this happened just a little before Sodom gets wiped out. Is it any, there's something about when you indulge in those things and a battle pops up, do you really expect people to be strong and courageous when in their moral lives and in their integrity and in their hearts, they're weak and seeking only pleasure? You know, I, this is not a slide on our armed forces at all, but if something happened in the next month and the citizenry of this country had to stand up and defend this country, I'm concerned. Because this generation and the generations we've raised are, are, are a, long, a far cry from that generation that rose up in World War II and fought a world war. We're a far cry from that. And I'd be concerned if our country in our state right now had to stand up and fight as citizens. Here's the deal. Here's where that transfers. If you raise children that are spiritually lazy, prideful, gluttonous, matter of fact, get, get whatever they want, and they're lazy, and have no thought to the poor and needy and people that are in want around them, they're going to run when the battles come too. They're going to run from the spiritual battles in life. They have to be trained. He was in a position to fight because he wasn't entangled in things he didn't need to be tangled up in. Sometimes you can't fight because you've got too many other things going on that you've gotten involved in that keep you from being ready to go. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. When you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. You see, we get, you know, we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. You know, my biggest concern for the church in America moving forward is that too much of the church has gotten caught up in the world and of the world instead of being in it but not of it. You know, if you were to go out on a typical Friday or Saturday night in our town or in our community, and we're able to locate, you know the government can do this already through them cell towers, y'all know that, but locate every believer in our town and go see them. Would you see them doing things differently 
or would they look just like the world? Not just our church, but in, in churches all around. Because you know what? We are supposed to look different. Parents, if there's one thing I, I could encourage you to do, it would be to encourage and to teach your children to stand, even if they're standing alone for what's right. There's too much of trying to, well, I want to make sure my child fits in. I want to make sure they get this. I want to make sure they don't look different. Hey, if, they don't, if you don't ever teach them to look different, then don't expect them to look different after they get out and become adults. They're going to look just like everybody else. Is that what you want? See, what we, th we think we can try to get them to where they look just like everybody else while they're in grade school and, and middle school and then high school, and then somehow they're going to flip a switch and all of a sudden be able to stand up for what's right and do the right thing when they get out. That's not how you train kids. Train up a child in the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not depart from it. Now, training means hard. And here's the deal. Forget about training your child if you're living of the world. If you can't tell the way you live any differently from what somebody that doesn't know Christ is. You can, you know what? Th those things are as powerful or more powerful than what you teach them. We have to be living it, and then we have to be modeling it, and then we have to train them how to do it. Hey, you want to train them just to go along with everybody? Then don't be surprised when you get those kind of results down the road. We got to be in a position to fight. That's part of a warrior's mindset. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then, you want them to know God's will? Teach them not to copy the behavior and customs of the world. Because what happens then? Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You know, if you think, well, if I could just, you know, I want them to get this kind of job or be this, teach them to seek God's will. When it comes to the person they marry, when it comes to the, the career they choose, when it comes to the life that they lead and live, teach them how to seek God. That's where you find good and pleasing and perfect. It's not from getting along with everybody else. It's from not copying the things of the world. You know, the, the biggest concern that I have is there's going to come a point where people in this country are going to realize that all the things that they have put up as what they worship and that they thought was going to save, there's going to come a time when that part is going to turn and run and they're going to be left by themselves. And you know what my, my greatest concern is? There's not going to be any Abrahams left to fight and to fight with the power of righteousness. Raise your kid to be a warrior to stand up for what's right, to not go along with the crowd, to be willing to, are there heartaches that come with that? Absolutely. But let me tell you something, the heartaches of learning how to stand against the crowd are nothing compared to the heartaches of going with the crowd and suffering the consequences of sins. There is no comparison. Teach them to stand alone if they have to. 
and to find, and sometimes they will. Sometimes they'll have to. But if they look around and they're willing to stand, there may be other believers that are willing to stand up with them. And adults, same thing for you. Be willing to stand. Sorry, I went to meddling right there, didn't I? Just a little bit. Now, one of the things about Abraham, he didn't, he didn't hesitate, but what he did was he called 318. Now, they don't tell the, the, the numbers of the opposing armies, but you, you got to know there's four kings involved. There had to have been more than 318. But what, what, what was the significance of that? It doesn't even say he got everybody that worked for him. He didn't even get all his men. He got 318. And here's the key. They were born of his house. You know what that means? That they were born in his service. He knew them. These were men whose parents worked for him. They were born in his home. And here's the deal. He knew he could count on those guys. Some of those maybe that he'd only hired a couple months ago, he didn't take them. Maybe some that, he, you know, maybe he worked there three or four years. He wasn't sure. So he called out 318 that he absolutely knew. When the chips were down, they would be there with him. They were born of his house. And that's one of the ways that you tell as you go to in life. You see other believers that are willing to stand with you? That tells you something, doesn't it? He knew. How did he know? 1 John 5, 3-5, loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. You want to be born of his house? You want to be one of those that can be counted on and be ready in a fight? Be obedient. If you're not going to be obedient, if you're God and you're looking down, or even if you're Abraham and you're looking out and you're thinking, man, I need some guys that I can count on that are going to go where I tell them to go. I mean, that was a difficult thing. He split his forces at night and attacked a superior enemy. That could be confusing and difficult. He needed guys that he knew would follow his orders when it got time for the battle. You know what? God's looking for the same thing. He's looking for people that he knows will follow his plans and follow his ways in the middle of a battle. And guess what? Abraham didn't look around and say, you know, I told that guy to do something last week, and he thought, eh, I know better than old man. I'm going to do it my own way. I don't want him. I don't want that guy. Well, here's a guy over here. I, I told him to do something that was really small, but he didn't even do that small thing. So why would I count on him in a battle? You think, you don't know, God looking down, he knows. Do you think he's gonna go find somebody, you know, this guy not really beaten, doesn't really follow me all that much, but I bet when the chips are down, they're gonna stand up and beat, no. He's looking for people he can count on. Little things matter, y'all know that, right? Little things matter. Born of his house. For every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. That, that verse started with a four. Whenever there's a four, ask yourself, what's it there for? It's connected to the verse right before it. Loving God means keeping his commandments. For every child of God defeats evil, this evil world, 
and will achieve victory through our faith. Those things are connected. Spiritual victory is connected to obedience to biblical truth. We got too many to think they can live however they want, but as long as they call on God when things are really rough, then he's going to come through and give them a victory. That's not how it works. Abraham was obedient. He chose men who were obedient. They were born of his house. The next thing is they were trained. Now, in this instance, they were trained in the things of war. All right, they were trained. They knew what to do. He knew they could fight. They had been trained. He took the time, even though this is the only instance in Scripture where something like this happened, he was prepared for it. And you know what? Everybody in this room, you're going to have unexpected spiritual opportunities that are going to come up. Did you know that? Somebody's going to come to you and ask you a question. Hey, you know what, man? I, I'm really struggling, and what do you think... I need something in my life. What do you think? Everybody in here is going to have an opportunity. Some of y'all, you've already had them. An unexpected spiritual opportunity. An opportunity to step into somebody's life and do battle for them. And the thing about it is, you need to be trained. How do you get trained? 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. We're human. We don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. Capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Here's the number one thing. You got the Spirit of Christ in you if you know Jesus. So you have the Holy Spirit. What else do you need? We need spiritual warfare. We're not going to knock people down. We're trying to knock down strongholds of deception and lies in the people that we love. What do we need in that? We need the truth. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Listen to this part. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. What do you need to be prepared for those unexpected moments? You need to be trained by the Word of God. Now, that, that doesn't mean you're going to know everything in here. You know, people come to me sometimes and, uh, hey, you know that verse about that guy that did that thing? I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about, man. <laughs> or they'll, like, quote three words from it. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a verse, but I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, I don't have it all. Oh, yeah, that's in, you know, I ain't got no computer in my brain. Matter of fact, what I got is a little iffy sometimes. I mean, I walk in the room sometimes. I can't remember why I walked in there. I walk in because I'm determined to do something. I'll see something else and I'll do that. I'm like a little squirrel sometimes, running around chasing whatever. And then I'll walk out and not do the one thing I, I went to do. How many of y'all have been in the last year into a store to get a specific thing and walked out of there and forgot to get the one thing you went in there for? That's just what we are. But here's what is also true. The more you get trained in the Word of God, the better prepared you are for the battles that come in life. If you come here for 52 straight Sundays 
You're going to hear me say something every, every Sunday about being in the Word of God because it's that honking important. People, it's that important. He uses the Word of God to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Now, you're not going to have the whole thing memorized. Let me tell you something. I'll give you a test. You want, you want a test? Go in, the, go in the Word, and when some verse, when you're reading, and some verse really kind of speaks to you, memorize it. And I guarantee you, within a week to 10 days, somebody's going to come up, or you're going to have a circumstance where that is the absolute perfect verse to tell somebody. I can't tell you how many times I've been memorizing a verse and somebody come up and ask me a question. Oh yeah, and I'd write, and they'd be like, I'd be like, dude, I just memorized one verse this week and that was it. I'm telling you, God uses what you get in you of his word. He'll find a use for, he's not gonna be like, oh, you memorized the wrong one, bro. If only you'd memorize something else, you're gonna look like a fool now, you ain't gonna know. That's not how God works. When you get the word in you, God will use that to equip you and prepare you for everything that's coming. Now, part of a warrior mindset, you hear him talk about it in, the, in, the, in military terms a lot of times, is stay focused on the mission. And as believers, we got to stay focused on the mission. Abram stayed focused on the mission. You see, what was his mission? It was to set his family free. And you know what? There were other parts that came with that. In Genesis 14, 22 through 23, the king of Sodom came up and said, hey, you can keep all the stuff. They looted everything out of Sodom and Gomorrah and all those other towns. I mean, can you imagine how much they were carrying? It was, it was probably wealth untold. I mean, wealth beyond imagination. All the food supplies, all the clothes, everything of value, they took it all. And Abraham got it all back. And as the victor, you know, that, they had that phrase, the victor belonged the spoils. Technically, all that belonged to him. Even the people. And so the king of Sodom comes out and says, hey, I tell you what, if you'll just give me the people back, you can keep all the rest of the stuff. You know what Abraham said? Nope. All I'm keeping is my family and what belonged to them. Because he kept his eye on the mission. Because sometimes, you know, there, there's all kinds of tests. There's tests when we're in a time of lack. When we need something, we don't have it. Are you going to trust Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider? There are tests that come when we're in the middle of a struggle or in a battle. Are you going to test Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner, the one who brings victory? And then there's tests when you get a lot, when everything's going really well. There's tests. You know, David prayed. He said, God, just give me my portion. Not so little so that I should steal and profane the name of God, but not so much 
that I would forget God. And so everything, there's tests at the end of everything. And at the end of this battle, Abraham got tested. Sodom, the king of Sodom wasn't the only one that showed up. There was another guy. Verses 17 through 24, after Abram returned from his victory over Herdlermer and all his allies, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shavra, that is the king's valley, and Melchizedek, king of Salem and a priest of God most high, brought Abram some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram with his blessing. Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has defeated your enemies for you. Now let me tell you about this Melchizedek dude. It's a mysterious dude in the Bible. In Hebrews it says, there's no record of his mom or dad or his passing or his birth. He just shows up. In Psalm 110, it starts talking about in the prophecies of Jesus that, that you know, he's going to be a king and a priest. And he's going to rule. And he said he's going to be a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. And so there's been all kinds of speculation about who Melchizedek is. Was he, you know, just some guy? That, let's look at his name. You break his name down and his name means king of righteousness. And he was king of Salem, which is a word that means peace. So he was the king of righteousness and peace. And a lot of scholars believe that this is what's called a Christophany. And that's an instance in Scripture where Jesus appears in the Old Testament. You know, you remember when uh, Joshua met the captain of the Lord's host before the battle of Jericho. That's a picture of a Christophany where Christ appears. He had a sword in his hand. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were cast into the fiery furnace and the, the king looks and said, who is this, a fourth who looks like a son of God who's walking around among them? That's an example of a time when Jesus shows up in the Old Testament. And I believe that this is a Christophany, that this is a, a, an instance where Jesus shows up. And you know what he does? He gives glory to God. It tells him the reason why he won and why he got this victory was because God defeated his enemies for him. And so what does Abram do? He refuses all the bounty and all the loot that would have made him ridiculously wealthy. He gives all that back. And not only that, he gives 10% of all that he has to Melchizedek. He honors and glorifies God in the middle of his victory. You know what? Sometimes that can be hard, can't it? Because you're sitting around enjoying the benefits of what God's done for you, and it's easy to forget who did it in the first place. But Abraham didn't forget you know, it's interesting. When Melchizedek came out, he offered him what? Bread and wine. I think that's significant. Can you just catch for a moment that Abram in the middle of this test, after this fight, after his obedience, 
after him choosing to glorify God instead of taking for himself, maybe he gets to partake in the very first Lord's Supper with Jesus, who gives him bread and wine, which is part of the promise about what's to come, is the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. We have choices. We can choose what we get entangled in. We can choose the battles that we fight. But if we're going to have a warrior mindset, number one, we need to stay out of battles that, that aren't worthy. There's plenty of things that you could even say are good, but there's some battles that are, that are worth fighting. The battles over your family. The battles over innocent babies. There are battles that are, that are worthy to be fought. There are things that are worth standing up for. We need to make sure we don't get caught up fighting in things that don't matter. So that when the things come up that do matter, we're ready. We need to make sure that we're born of the house of God, that we belong to Jesus, through a relationship with Him. We need to make sure that we're trained in the Word of God. And we also need to remember that single-minded purpose you know what Abram's sole purpose was? It was to set the captives free. That's it. And that's our purpose. When God calls us in the fight, is to fight for other people. You know, there may be a time where you need to stand up in your workplace and say, I can't, I can't go this way. If you do, that's because God's given you an opportunity share the good news about Jesus. You're going to have opportunities that you, you weren't expecting to share truth. Fight for other people. And what is, what is it we're fighting for? We're fighting so that they could be set free by Christ. You know, if you were to look up to Washington and let's say somebody told you, hey, you can have 10 minutes with the President of the United States or with this congressman or that senator or the person over this or whatever, what would you want to talk to him about? I would hope that, that I would choose and that you would too to talk to him about Jesus. Now, I ain't going to say I wouldn't throw in a little comment there about the price of gas. I mean, I probably would. But the main purpose and the thing that would matter more than anything would be to tell him about Jesus. You know, we're not going to change this country by flipping people from one party to the other or by changing their mind about this or that. The only way to save this country is if there are a large number of people that come to faith in Christ and Jesus changes their hearts and their minds. You can, I, I'm, serious question, not, you know, I'm not asking you to actually answer, it's rhetorical. But is there anybody in here that you've actually changed somebody's worldview by arguing with them? It doesn't work. But you know what? I've seen people, boom. Once Jesus comes in their heart and he starts changing them, everything changes. That's our mission. That's what we were called to battle for. But there are certain things we got to do to be ready for the battle. So be a warrior. 
have a warrior mindset. Raise your kids to have a warrior mindset. We got to, we're going to train our kids to be warriors, not get alongers to be warriors. Train your child to be a warrior. And be one yourself as an example, too. Don't get caught spending all your energy fighting over stuff that doesn't matter. Be ready to fight for the things that do. And be willing to give it all when you find what those things are, when those opportunities arise. None of this matters if you don't know Jesus. I mean, it, it really doesn't. And that's what, the, that's what the rest, that's what we're fighting for. People have fought so that you can know Christ. You know what Abraham did? Jesus showed him things, and right after this, God shows up and confirms the covenant of what's to come. There's, that's not coincidental. Disciples were called from their nets and from their jobs to follow Jesus, and they were given the truth of the gospel to spread and to give to other men. There were men and women that followed Jesus that were part of that ministry that began the church, that, that changed the world. And here's the thing, it, it's our turn to share the good news that was passed to us and to pass it down to others who will continue it after we're gone. That was done for you. If you're here and, and if, if you're already a believer, then somebody did that for you. And if you'd like to have a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know you can have one today. Here's the good news. Man, we're, we're sinners. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. But the good news is that God loved us enough that he sent his only son. His name's Jesus. He wasn't just a guy. He's God's son. He was born of a virgin. He died on the cross for my sins and for yours. And then to prove that he was who he says he was and is, and to prove that he has power over life and death, he rose from the grave on the third day. You got to believe that. And then the last thing the scripture tells us, and this is part of that warrior mindset is, you, when you come to Jesus, you bring everything you got. And you're like, well, man, some of that ain't good. You lay it down at his feet. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And at that point, you'll become one of the sons of Abraham, but most importantly, one of the sons of Almighty God. And if you'd like to do that today, to know that your sins are forgiven, you have peace with God, and that you have a relationship with Him that'll last for eternity, you'll be with Him in paradise. And you got to know Jesus to get that. If that's you and you'd like to know that today, I want to lead you in a brief prayer of salvation. I'm going to ask everyone to bow your heads, close your eyes. You can repeat this prayer after me. Just pray it in your heart. God will hear you. But if that's you that I was just talking about, you pray this with me right now. Dear God, Thank you for loving me. And thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart, my life. Cleanse me. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day, according to Scripture. 
So today, I trust Jesus as my Savior, and I confess Him as my Lord. Now, if you prayed that today, I want you to know you've been forgiven, you belong to God, and nothing can ever change those two things. Here's what I want to ask. If you prayed that prayer today without anybody else looking around and you meant it, I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. But if you prayed that, I want you to look up at me right now and keep looking until I see you. You look up right now if you prayed that prayer today and you meant it. Okay? All right? Okay? Well, here's what we want to offer to you. We would love to take a moment or two and answer any questions you have and talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. And we can do that today. John will be here at the front of the service right as soon as the service is over. And he'd love to either talk with you or get someone to speak with you and answer those questions. I want you to know we don't want anything from you. You don't have to join the church. We're not going to ask you for anything. We just want to help. If, if now's not a good time, there's a number on your screen or a QR code in your bulletin that you can open and just text, I did it, to that number. And we'll get in touch with you and set up a time either over the phone or in person to answer any questions and talk to you about the next steps following Jesus. And we would love to do that. It's important that you tell someone about your decision. So I want to pray for you right now and pray for us that God would use us in the battles ahead. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you for those that have trusted you today as their Savior and Lord. I pray for encouragement upon their hearts. God, I pray that you would give them victory, Lord, in the days ahead. Father, we thank you for loving us enough to send your Son to die on the cross, that we might know you, we might love you, and that we might live for you in everything that we do. We pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.